You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the status and the time in 39 years the boston bruins have won the stanley cup talking bruins and nhl sure old-time hockey like it is sure with writer and producer brian d felice brian d felice is an emerging talent bridget prude yeah he's a little bit on the hot seat Burn him! and weei.com bruins writer scott mclaughlin oh, great scott. lace him up for some bees talk right now i'm a damn the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 159 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Pru and Scott McLaughlin. And the Bruins ended their brief three-game losing streak, their first losing streak of the season. They defeated the Maple Leafs 5-2 to up in Toronto tonight. Um, guys, pretty impressive performance. You have five goals across the board, um, but... None were scored by guys named Brad Marchand, David Pasternak, Patrice Bergeron. So it just goes to show it was a complete team effort. And again, uh, when the Bruins are going, this team has a lot of depth to display. Yeah, and that's and that's the key is, you know, it was a bounce back game where it's not just, oh, David Pasternak takes over. Like, the, this is what has made the Bruins so good all year is, yes, you have Pasternak having an unbelievable season and, you know, your other top guys playing well, but it's been their depth that's separated them from the rest of the NHL. And, you know, some of that had dried up a little during this three game losing streak. It's, it's obviously not the only reason they lost three in a row. Like I'm not trying to blame the bottom six or anything. Like obviously power play has been, been terrible, but, um, you know, during that losing streak, it kind of felt like they needed the the stars to step up if they were going to win and, and they weren't quite able to. Uh, now you get a game where it's everyone else stepping up. Uh, you know, it's, it's forward on, on a shorthanded goal after Trent Frederick wins a foot race against Mitch Marner, which is, you know, no small feat. Um, Carlo scoring just his second goal of the season, you know, probably the guy more than anyone who didn't necessarily need a goal but needed to have a good game. Like Carlo in, in particular had a really tough go of it during that three game losing streak. His name's popping up in trade rumors. Like it, it felt like if anyone really needed to kind of get into the all-star break, feeling better about where they were, it, it might've been him and not just the goal, but you know, just the way he played in general. Um, Wednesday night, I thought was, I just thought it was a really strong game for him. Uh, and then, you know, A.J. Greer, so you get the fourth line involved. Uh, Jacob Lauco playing his first game in a while. Makes Scott, a nice are you going to leave anything for anyone else to say? Nope, I'm going to cover it all right now. <laughs> Just go um, for it. So you, you, get, you get Jacob Lauco uh, making a nice play on that. And then Pavel Zaka takes over. So, um, yeah, impressive effort up and down the lineup. All right. All right, here we go. Um, I think that so, was actually like shorter than some of the ones I've had. Like, I had because I, 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 I had at, to cut you off. <laughs> I, I look at like the time, and sometimes my monologue goes for like three minutes, and I'm like, okay, I got to wrap it up. But that one was like under two, I think. I had to hit you with the music a little early. Today. <laughs> Scott's like that. Scott's like that scene from The Office when Dwight Schrute wins Salesman of the Year, and he starts banging <laughs> his hands on the on the thing. <laughs> so back back to what you were saying, Scott, to to build off of. The Carlo point, um, I like before we were even 10 minutes into the game, I had already like written a note for the podcast, like 
is this going to be a bounce back game for Carlo? Because immediately he stepped up into the offense and he had a chance where he was drifting down, you know, uh, weak side and stepped right into a shot. And I'm thinking not every defenseman would score on that. And Carlo didn't, but you know, I'm thinking he was doing the right thing. He was, he was heading in. He was um, right there making the play and, you could just see a difference with him. Like, okay, he's stepping right in. And then he did it again later in the game and he ended up scoring on it. So you could see him playing more confidently and, and wanting to be involved in the offense. And also he had a solid defensive game as well. And to your point about the scoring being spread out um, and not in the, you know, the top six, so to speak, the only people without points, that were forwards were Smith, Bergeron, Marshawn, Hall, and Felino. Um, everybody else, including Lauko, like you mentioned, had a point. Um, and Lauko hadn't played it since what November, November third, or it had been since November that he had been in the lineup. So he actually was able to make a good play on the Greer goal and get the puck off the wall and and set Greer off. But um, and then every defenseman had a point except for Clifton. So you just had this all around, like when you look down the the stats on the score sheet, you just see points everywhere. And, and, but surprisingly not next to, you know, Bergeron, Marshawn and Hall again, though, um, kind of quiet. And they moved him back to, well, they moved him with Krejci and Zaka to start the game game kind of finished out with check line back together. But, um, yeah, just someone else that I had, like, there were a few things going into it that I was, wanting to keep an eye on zone entries, <laughs> Taylor Hall, how he was fitting now back on the second line and whether or not Carlo was going to bounce back. So I don't know, Brian, what did you notice in those categories? Bridget, that monologue was just as long as mine. I just want that on the record. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to track them all now. Y- now it's Brian's guys, turn. Can Brian beat you, it? You guys keep Jersey jabbing each other. I'm just going to, I'm going <laughs> to make it quick and throw it back to you guys. I mean, I think, uh, those are all good points, Bridget, and, and, and I will definitely get to them. I'll, I'll get to them as well. But I think so I don't kind of lose track of everything that you guys have talked about. I think the best thing to do is just kind of go back a little bit and just kind of break it down in chronological order. So, like, the to your guys' point about the defensemen scoring, uh, all defensemen scoring a point besides Clifton. I mean, Clifton had many chances to do so early on. He was joining the rush. He had a, I think he had a breakaway, at least a half half breakaway at one point. Mm-hmm. So he could have been um, – been one of them to, to score as well. But I think on the Bruins' first goal, it was kind of karma because who was it that got called for? It was, it was it was actually Clifton who got called for a trip, I believe, but it was the toe pick. So um, it was nice to see the Bruins kind of get rewarded. I mean, I guess looking back at it, just a phenomenal penalty for Clifton to take because the Bruins score shorthanded. So just really heads up hockey on his part. So give to, him uh, a point for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he didn't deserve the penalty, but... <laughs> But it's a good thing that the refs were were, were off on that one. Um, and, you know, on that play, uh, Trent Frederick kind of, you know, not to overlook this, he beats Mitch Marner in a foot race to get to the loose puck. Now, yeah, he has some size on him and bigger strides, but um, wins the puck, I think it was to Coyle, and he pulled up and found Forbert. Uh, you know, what, what's the nickname for him? Derek, Derek Scorbert or something like that, people call him. So, um, yeah, it's good. scoreboard or or orbort. <laughs> So he he give, he gives Boston a one, a one nothing lead. So did you guys feel that same way? It was kind of like you know karma for the Bruins to to score on that penalty that they didn't deserve. Yeah, I I generally don't really believe in karma. Um, oh, I definitely don't believe in karma anymore. Throw that out the window. <laughs> That's not a thing. Um, right, but yeah, cool. it, it I will say like it definitely would have been a tough break had they given up a power play goal there, and it, like that's what you hate to see is like you take a penalty you don't really deserve. And then the other team scores on the power play. And it's like, that's just, that's just like a really crap break for a team. So, you know, I think Bruins would have just been happy surviving that, but yeah, to get the shorthanded goal. And, you know, it's crazy. I tweeted this out. Derek Forbort had never scored a shorthanded goal in his career before this season in 407 NHL games. And now he has two in 40 games this season. Like, you know, I know we talk about like Montgomery wants defense more involved. And it's like, I don't know if that really necessarily translates to, to the penalty kill, but uh, it is nice to see forward 
get rewarded with a couple of those this year because obviously he's so good at penalty killing in his own zone and, you know, all the grittier aspects of it, blocking shots and clearing out the front of the net. Um, you know, it's like, I feel like his eyes just light up when he sees that opportunity to, to get into the, into the rush there as the trailer and, you know, takes that pass from coil and just has like all the space in the world to walk in. Yeah. The penalty kill is his domain. <laughs> so he's scoring on it. He, He's on the penalty kill and he just says to himself, it's my time to shine. So he steps into that and he's got a shorthanded goals. And uh, I mean, it was a, it was a nice play all, all around for him. So it's just kind of funny because he did a great job killing penalties the way he always does. But so it's kind of nice to see him score the shorthanded goal too. Yeah. And and his first shorthanded goal of the season, I believe was against the Islanders and at the garden. If, if those um, listening remember that, which was, a similar kind of play where he just joined the rush um, shorthanded. So, yeah. Now, unfortunately. Wait, Wait, does he really have six toes on each foot? Or is, is that, that just like a, a thing that I saw on Twitter that's not real? It's news I, to me. I think that was just a deceptive photo. <laughs> but I, I am curious. I just don't know like how I ever asked ask him that question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and we see the guys in the locker room. And they don't wear shoes usually. And I have never looked down because I don't want to. But like now I'm tempted. Well, now now the next time there's a press conference, and this is what this is what I have to hear. We're gonna go to uh, the guy in the back with the with the Scotland hat on. Hey, Scott McLaughlin, WEI.com. Hey, uh, Derek, can you take your sock off real quick? I just, I'm writing a story on uh you know excess excess toes and whatnot it was uh, tweeted out in case people are looking for it i think connor ryan retweeted it and i don't know it looked like he's just taping a stick up like a very normal picture but like if you zoom in and i don't know who did this but if you zoom in there's there's definitely six toes so oh boy yeah wow. but like then, then i saw people being like well is it just like is this are, is this, are his toes just like curled in a weird way and it kind of looks like there's an extra one like I don't know. I, I really didn't want to dive too too deep into that on Twitter. Well, this is what you're paid the we're, big We're already too for. deep into it now. I'm getting uncomfortable. Like, I, <laughs> Sorry. I'm, think, I'm, I'm out on feet talk. Think, I'm not going to lie. Every time he touches the puck now, I think six toes. I mean, you think that's weird. Scott has nine toes on one foot. But anyway, <laughs> let's, let's move on here. So, um, um, so unfortunately for the Bruins, they – they, they they took a second consecutive penalty. This time they 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 allowed a goal. Matt Grizzlick elbowed um, Alex Kerfoot behind the net. And by the way, um, the newest member of the Bean Bean Pot Hall of Fame, Matt Grizzlick and his and his father was it John John Grizzlick? Is that yep. his dad's name? Yep. So congrats to them. Um, but it, it, on this penalty kill situation, the Bruins were able to get a clear. Um, it was a it was a puck that went over the stick of I forget what defense it was for uh for Toronto at the time. But um, puck went down the ice. Bruins thought they had a um a bit of a window there, but it was a good up by by Samsonov to to get the puck to Marner. They had a, the Leafs had quick reentry, tied the game one to one. But what I love about what I loved about the Bruins in this game in particular was that every time Toronto got some life, whether it was tying the game or getting within one, the Bruins responded quickly with a goal of their own. And so after the Toronto tied the game one to one, Boston responded with a great five on five shift and. That Carlo go you guys talked about, where it was a bit of a muffin. I don't know how that one actually went into the net, but it was. But the Bruins deserved good fortune because they outworked Toronto for about two minutes in that shift. I, I liked that uh, during the intermission when uh, Nesson broke it down. Andrew Raycroft, who uh, you know, obviously expert on all things goaltending, uh, literally just said, "I don't know what Samsonov's thinking here." <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he, could like, not even like fathom lie. an explanation for for what was going on. The only thing he could think of was maybe he was guarding, like he thought it was going to come to the middle, like the guy in the middle rather than all the way across to Carlo. But like he definitely did not slide as far as he needed to slide over. It was kind of in a no man's land of like not close enough to the post, but like also only like halfway out towards the shooter. So it was kind yeah, of weird. Like, and, and Carlo like had this really easy little lob. Yeah, it was, it was a bit of a change up, which I think can always throw a goalie off. But yeah. Samsonov, yeah, he didn't get all his over. He wasn't set. He his stick like wasn't even like Carlo could could have shot five hole because Samsonov's stick wasn't even in position to close the five holes. So 
uh, yeah, I don't don't really know what he was doing, but nonetheless, though, it, I mean, that was really to Brent to Brian's point, really good offensive zone shift. Um, you know, you end up with Lindholm getting it over to Carlo. Lindholm had been low early in the shift. Carlo had like already rotated down low once. Um, you know, I think that it was the third line that was out there and they, they were strong all game, you know, a few different iterations of it. I think in that particular case, it was, uh, Coyle Hall and Frederick. I think it was the normal third line back together. Um, and that line was really good all night. And certainly, you know, they don't get the goal next to, to their names, but, um, we're obviously critical on that goal. Yeah, and Coyle played a really strong game, not even considering the fact that he had two assists. And, I mean, he was just all over the ice. He was protecting the puck. He was stealing puck, like stealing pucks, picking off passes, um, just making smart plays. And he was somebody who definitely had the full 60-minute, 100% effort from him the whole, the whole time. And I think he kind of lifts that line. He kind of is the energy behind that line a lot of the times, and he definitely was tonight because you can see like Frederick's energy following his lead almost. Um, and also, he like seemed like he wanted to protect him a little bit uh, towards the end of the game when Coyle ends up at the bottom of a pile uh, when it ended up being a four on four because Bunting and him were going back and forth, and you see Frederick like hop in and try to try to protect Coyle, and then you hear there was a hot mic moment where the ref. Uh, yelled at him <laughs> he was yelling at him and said um uh like get back the fuck up or something like that yeah. so uh, poor uh poor coil and bunning they they got stuck behind the digital board ad on that one too yeah the ref's butt had the board ad on it <laughs> i knew brian was gonna notice it i put it in my notes i did not <laughs> brian what? i did not i did not notice that you know i gotta be honest the um I'd be lying if I, if I were to tell you I've really noticed the digital ads lately. I I, I guess oh, I've just gotten used to it. Obvious, Brian. I, I noticed so them. Obvious. Yeah, I noticed them like when they malfunction like that. Like there was another one in the Bruins zone tonight, where I forget which Bruins player it was who was up against the board, and I think it was like a TD. I think it was a TD Bank ad, just like straight up decapitated them. Like you just could not <laughs> see the player's head anymore. Yeah, it's like a bad green screen where it's like some yeah. like if you were to wear a green skirt, you'd look like you disappeared. It's like what was happening? Yeah, the, the the digital ads like they just they just beat me so bad earlier in the year. It was like whack a mole. I they just sucked all the life out of me. I have no I'm sorry that fight. you've you've clearly been defeated by them. <laughs> I have. Hey, you know what? No one to walk away, right? No one to walk away. Um, so. As yeah, and yeah, I mean, you guys bring up Bunting. I mean, what a little weasel he is. He's he's not even he's not even like a, an effective rat because like I just don't think he really like a good rat draws opponents into penalties. Like he's just out there like yelling at himself in the mirror essentially and calling out refs for missed calls. And he's diving and and he's 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 talk about a complainer. I mean, he's somebody that we I talked about it before, um, but like he's somebody that's new to this Toronto lineup since the last time Boston played them in the playoffs and. Um, over seven games, believe me, you would you would really uh, he'd be your least favorite player after that. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but he's he's not he's not even a whatever. Um, eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Third period, guys. Pretty pretty entertaining period. Boston uh, gets a 3-1 lead, which, by the way, I don't, I don't, I was baffled how there wasn't a delayed penalty on this. Like, even though Greer scored, like, 
the the whoever it was, like their stick was clearly in his hands to the point where it's like he had to let go of his stick. And Greer, Greer, uh, you know, makes a great snapshot top right corner with the stick still in like in in his body. So I don't even know how the how the refs didn't have their arm up for a delayed call, but nonetheless, AJ Greer gives the Bruins a three one lead. Drops the gloves with Wayne Simmons right after that on the ensuing faceoff, which dates back to the last game um, when it was that scuffle between periods. But I guess this is a good opportunity to bring up AJ Greer's um, effort tonight, along with with Jacob Lauko, who found his uh, way into the lineup, like Bridget mentioned. I, I think she said early November. Um, so the Bruins' fourth line, whatever the combination was tonight, um, they provided energy. I think it changed a couple of times, but you know you're, you're missing Thomas Nosek and. Um, I know there was speculation maybe about this kind of being maybe a, a, a trial stint for Lauko with the trade deadline approaching. I don't know if there's validity to that, but um, what did you guys make of, of, of that combination of Greer and Lauko? And they were with Frederick at times and other times probably like Felino. I don't really know, but they had a good game tonight. Yeah, they did. And, you know, with Lauko, it's interesting, like, because there had been those rumors that, you know, he might want to change or whatever somewhere he's going to get more opportunity. But then like now, I, you know, I realize guys can say one thing in public and nothing behind closed doors, but we talked, I talked to Loco on Tuesday um, after Bruins practice and, you know, he didn't sound like someone who was looking for that. Like, you know, he said like he was up here longer than he expected the first time. And he was grateful for that opportunity. And, like he was grateful to be back. Like he was saying all the right things. He didn't sound like someone was di- disappointed. Like he admitted, like it was tough when he first went back down to Providence. It took him a while to get to his game, but he said he feels like he's been playing better recently and, you know, was in a good place and hoping for another shot. So um, he didn't strike me as someone who's like disappointed with the way it, the season's going or, you know, the opportunity he's getting, but We'll see. You know, I don't know how much to me that would almost just be more like if they traded Lauko, I feel like it would almost be more of like just helping a guy get a change of scenery because I I don't really know how much value he has, to be completely honest. Like not even just like a knock against him, but he's not he's not a super young prospect. Um I don't know like how much upside he has in terms of being more than what he's shown in the NHL so far, which is he can be a really solid fourth liner and maybe he has third line upside at some point, but like, you know, those players are nice to have, but they're not really valuable trade chips. Like teams can, can find those guys in a lot of places. So, um, so I don't know about that. Like, could he be thrown into a trade if, um, if he really is looking for some sort of change, sure. But he's not going to be like this, one of the centerpieces of like a big trade or anything. No, no, definitely not a centerpiece of any trade. But at the same time, I feel like the Bruins aren't really looking to like decrease their depth on the fourth line. You know what I mean? Like it, it almost right. feels like they would like to know that he's there for a deep playoff run if needed. Uh, so it doesn't make sense to me that they would move him. Uh, at all really but to the point about him you know how he fits in um to the team right now and and where he played on the fourth line how they look together with Felino and Greer I thought he provided more than uh McLaughlin did in his time up I thought that he looked like a better fit there um now and we talked about how Kopanen was more of like a one-for-one guy for Nosek but obviously they changed things up with the fourth line um when they bring in Lauko, d- totally different style player than Nosek, much more like um, hard nosed, uh, tougher kind of guy. So I thought he fit in well on that line, and you see, you that that assist he got on the the Greer play wasn't the only good play he had either. So um, in his time, he's made the most of it, which is all, what you can ask for, and he's been rewarded for it. So I don't understand, and I don't know if it's true or not. But to me, there would be no reason for him to want out at this point on a cup contending team that you might get time playing in the playoffs. And like, it has not been unfair to you that you are out of the lineup in this roster. Like you, when you've earned your time, you've gotten it. 
that's kind of all you can ask as a fourth liner and as a guy who's trying to crack the NHL. So I'm sure everybody wants to play, you know, every game, but sometimes that's just, you're not going to get the easy way. Sometimes people look for the easy way out. I don't, I think he's somebody who's worked hard enough that, and, and understands that, that he wouldn't really want the easy way out anyway. So um, that's just how I feel about him. I thought he had a good game. I thought it was nice that over the road trip, they were able to call up three different guys. And and finally we get to analyze a little bit of difference in the lineup. Yeah. I mean, everybody wants, everybody wants to play. Everybody wants to be a part of the uh, regular, regular lineup. So it's not, you know, it's, it's not damning the damning the player if that's how he feels too. But the fact of the matter is, this team's on a historic pace to start the year. And it's, it's just like you said, it's, it's not one of those situations where it's, it's easy to, to, to enter the lineup when, when that's what's going on in front of you. Um, before we move on to the, the star of the third period, um, did you guys have any thoughts on, on AJ Greer dropping the gloves after that gold? Uh, Scott, I think I saw you tweet. You may have thought it was ill-timed and he um, may have been, um, you know, a little bit uh, outside of his weight class in that fight. Yeah, for sure, being uh, a bit outside his weight class. Wayne Simmons, obviously, been a very good fighter his entire career. Um, and was much bigger. Yeah. yeah, I just thought that the timing was, like, in a vacuum, I would say that was not good timing on Greer's part. Um, you just went up 3-1. The only team that can, your team has momentum. The only team that can get momentum from a fight is Toronto in that case. So, I didn't love the timing, but I also understand that there was obviously carryover there from the last game, like, right? Like Simmons and Felino fought. And then at the end of the second period, there was a shouting match between Greer and Simmons. Like everyone's kind of standing around, not leaving the ice. So obviously there were, there was something there. And, you know, I think I, I, I'm assuming it's Simmons who proposed the fight or, you know, probably said something like, Hey, now's your chance or whatever. And I don't know, maybe Greer, you know, feels like he doesn't want to back down or something, but just again, j- just from a timing perspective, like the Bruins didn't need momentum. So they weren't the ones who needed a fight there. And I feel like if you asked him after whether or not he made the right decision, he'd probably tell you no. Um, especially the, the outcome of it was I thought he might've gotten a concussion and he took like the first shot, like hard. Um, and he ended up like having to turn his head and he just took a bunch of punches in the back of the head. And then at that point, like, I felt like he wanted to go down to the ice and just was like, I'm going to go down right now because I'm getting my ass kicked. And, um, and he's a good fighter, but sometimes you get hit with the first punch and you can't recover. So, um, he got pulled out of the box after, while he was serving the fighting major by a spotter to get double checked for a concussion. He came back a few minutes later, finished out the rest of the third, like last 10 minutes of the game. But you, I think maybe just are on an adrenaline rush. Like I just scored is great. And then you hop in there and, and we know what his like MO is. He's kind of more of an old school type player. And that's the kind of thing he can bring. And I guess maybe the, the thought on the momentum thing would just be like, all right, well, I just scored. And if I, you know, fight and win this fight, Maybe it's just we're just going to step on their throat kind of situation. Yeah, to that point, and Scott kind of hit it too. From a momentum standpoint, what's the smartest thing? Yeah, I guess not really because, like Scott said, it's really unless unless AJ Greer kind of clearly got the upper hand in the fight, um, the momentum really just kind of goes to Toronto there. Now, I will say, I, I definitely think Boston – to a man they're gonna be like well no no no. let's let's make sure we finish this up because because you know grazy just took a few licks there so i don't know i mean i do think the bruins they did pep up or they stayed pepped up but that was a nerve-wracking fight to watch because it was one of those it was one of those fights where greer is kind of a he's not the most technical fighter he kind of just he fights on emotion and i it was one of those fights where i could have seen him like he 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 put his head to the side to kind of alleviate some of the, the the damage from some of those shots. And then it's like, he tried to get one at the end. And that's one of those situations where sometimes you see a guy lean into a, into, into a, um, into a hook and 
it can end pretty badly. So I'm just glad he was okay because because Simmons is a you know really experienced fighter and um, but you can't question Greer's courage. So I mean, stick taps for him on that, and that's something that he's provided for this team all year when he's been in. So um, so good on him. The timing wasn't the greatest, but like I'm never gonna I'm never gonna damn a player for for dropping the gloves. I mean that's that's a, gr- a good good teammate there. Um, so. Yeah. So okay. So as the as the game goes on again, um, Toronto makes it three two, and then the Bruins respond four and four. After Toronto scored again, back to the bunting stuff. It's like your team just scores to make it three to two, but you can't help yourself. You have to get into it with Coyle behind the net, and it go, it turns into a four and four situation. And the Bruins are the best four and four team in the league statistically, and uh, tonight was no different. They go out there and right after Toronto makes it three to two, Pavel Zaka, Krejci. Who else is on defense with them? Um, who who was oh McAvoy was out there and I think maybe Lindholm. I don't really. Remember. I think it was Grizzlick. Grizzlick. Okay, so I mean puck possession out the wazoo. I mean they they controlled the puck the entire time, and uh, Zaka almost scored before he did score. He had two rushes to the net, but Zaka's goal was was the the puck retrieval behind the net before he even got it up to the to the blue line, and then when he got the puck back at the blue line. That that cutback move to his forehand, elite skating, elite edge work, and then he just rips a snapshot top under the cr- crossbar down, and uh, he has he's played nine games for Boston since signing that extension. He has ten points. He has six goals and four assists. And after tonight, he has um because he got he got two goals tonight. He's played fifty one games this year. He has 35 points, 11 goals, 24 assists, 35 points. That's good for fifth on the Bruins in scoring. Three points behind Bergeron. Same game as played. Um, what a what an absolute signing by or trade by Don Sweeney this uh, this past offseason. Zaka for Halla. Um, what an addition he he's been to the team this year. Even when he wasn't scoring this year. His play has just been excellent. He's 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 a Swiss Army knife. He can put him in a ton of different situations, and he complements a lot of the guys that he plays with on this on this team. Yeah, and when you see shots like that first goal tonight, or the one timer goal he had against, I think it was Philly. It's like, man, if he starts shooting more too and making use of that shot more, like now the goal total starts to go up, which it has recently. To your point, six goals in the last nine games, like the playmaking and everything else about its two-way play was, was already there. So now if the goal scoring starts following, it's like, yeah, like that now that is not just a player who looks like a top six forward, but now one who's putting up the numbers of a top six forward. And uh, obviously he's been a really good fit on that check line uh, with Krejci and Pasternak, which wasn't together to start the game tonight, but then gets, put together and produces puts up uh they were all on the ice for the last goal him him and Krejci out there for the the four and four but yeah I mean that four and four goal like just great possession at at some point opponents are gonna realize like if you give the Bruins that high cycle play where one guy kind of loops out of the zone and then picks the puck back up like they're gonna kill you and I know teams don't like to pressure out that high on four and four, but like the Bruins are making teams pay for that. They've done that a few times now where um, they get that movement out high and it's a guy who kind of cycles out of the zone and then comes back in with speed. Um, and in this case, it's Zaka who then makes that cutback move. So they're kind of finding that soft spot in the way teams defend at four and four and really taking advantage of it. Yeah, and another thing that I had put in my notes, like right as the game started, we're we're talking about before, you know, 10 minutes in or or whatnot, um, before anybody scored, was Zaka, like it just popped in my mind because I'm watching him in the first period set people up. He set up Hall. He set up that one uh, that chance by Carlo I had mentioned earlier. The the other time he stepped up in the offense before he scored, he played well with Coil, like on the second power play unit, he he fits in with you know those guys that are normally on the third line. He fits in on the check line. He's factored in at not much this season, but he has at times played with Marshawn and Bergeron, and it's just kind of like where can't you put him? Um, he he's been able to adapt, 
And I think that's just because he came in with a mindset that I'm going to like make myself fit wherever I have to fit. I can play wing. I can play center. Um, and he's all of a sudden just setting up. Everyone just kind of seems like he's on that wavelength with guys that he's not even really playing much time with on the same line, like Charlie Coyle. Um, and, and with Hall on his line today, he was able to set him up early for what looked like maybe it could have been or should have been a goal. Um, so I, I've liked his game and and the shot was just like, it, that was an incredible shot bar down. And then he comes back and, and scores another one later on what was pretty much a layup. Um, but he's just, he's making himself known. And because of those two goals, the Bruins end up with a comfortable lead. Yeah. I, I, you know who, um, you know, it's interesting because going into the season, Scott made a comment and he wasn't alone. I mean, I echoed it. Bridget, you echoed it. A lot of people were echoing this sentiment that the prospect of a line with David Krejci, David Pasternak, and Taylor Hall could be the potentially the best line in the NHL. And all of a sudden, there was a... Um, I don't know if it was when Hall got hurt in a preseason game, but that, that preseason game at Madison Square Garden against the Rangers, they put that check line together for the first time. And they had instant chemistry, and it kind of jumped off the page. And I remember then thinking, hmm, this could be interesting. I could see Taylor Hall losing a spot. And then as the year got underway, it was kind of a conversation because they played that check line together more and more. And it was kind of like, well, maybe they're just trying to balance out the lines a little bit. And, you know, Hall, this is when Hall first went down to the third line, right? And, and the conversation was, well, Hall's not a third line player. He'll go back to the top six at some point. And, Somewhere along the way, it's just it, it's been undeniable the chemistry that they have, and they look they look a lot better <laughs> when they're together than when Taylor Hall's with 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 Pasternak and Krejci, and um, and, and I I'm just a huge fan of Zaka. You know who his he kind you know who he kind of reminds me of. I don't know if it's a perfect comparison, but one former Bruin that comes to mind. Now Zaka's got like three inches on this player, but his hands, his shot, and his IQ kind of reminds me of Riley Smith. Do you see a little bit of that by any chance, Scott Bridget? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad comparison at all. Both 18 um, too, both number 18. Yeah, also true. That's true. Um, but yeah, definitely in terms of just the the smart two-way play, like being good in their own zone, um, you know, good playmaker and, you know, I think Zaka, if he takes advantage of his shot more, I think can be an even better finisher. Um, and he's got a stronger shot. Yeah, although Riley Smith like was he he could be a pretty good finisher too. But yeah, I think that's a pretty good comparison. Um, I was just looking quick trip to a uh, stats corner. Here we go. Uh, five on five scoring for the Bruins this season. Um, Pasenak number one, thirty five five on five points. Two, David Krejci, 29. Three, Pavel Zaka, 28. Then it's a drop down. Taylor Hall, 23. Coyle, 22. Bergeron, 21. Marchand, 20. Um, But yeah, so just kind of highlighting the way that check line's been playing at five on five. And, you know, it wasn't... I feel like it was maybe like a month and a half ago. It wasn't that long ago that we were talking about how we wanted a little bit more. There would be flashes, but you know, there was still like stretches of time where that line was kind of breaking even at five on five after Wednesday night, their goal difference on the season now, 19 to 11. And I feel like, again, probably like a month and a half ago, that was right around 50%. So they've, they've really picked it up and been on a roll here. And, uh, you know, obviously we, you see that just watching it, but now, you know, numbers also really backing it up. Yeah, and I don't want to gloss over Pasternak because, I mean, we're spending a lot of time on Zaka and rightfully so. Um, but Pasternak did have that one play where he deked out two defenders. And I, I the only reason it wasn't a goal is because it was rolling kind of weird and might have bounced down him at the last second. But, like, I feel like usually he would have put it in. He was in behind two guys, and he it was one of those elite moves that he made. But um, he was named the NHL second star of the month, so – uh, he's still looking good, even though he he got the one assist, but didn't end up scoring. He was very, very close. 
Yeah, that was a that was like a pond hockey move on uh you know, flips the puck by um I think it was Mike uh not Mike Riley, hello, uh Morgan Morgan Riley. And um yeah, the puck was on edge a little bit, so kind of some tough luck there. But yeah, I mean he was he was he was better tonight. Um one one thing I guess just to bring up briefly, because it's it's something that they have to address on the other side of this all star break. And once again tonight it just wasn't great. Now they only have one opportunity in the power play, but did you see any sort of improvement on the power play tonight I, again they only had two minutes of pp time but it wasn't once again it wasn't really great i thought they got into the zone a little better at least like they were at least getting into the zone um they had but then they weren't holding onto the puck or i should correct that they were holding onto the puck too long they were too slow moving the puck and, and moving bodies once they got into the zone i thought they're just too stationary and toronto was closing quick and forcing some turnovers. So uh, step one, I guess, or, you know, step one would be just keeping possession off the face off, but step two, at least they were getting into the zone a little better um, with a little bit of speed, but then the issues once they were in there were, were definitely still there. And they did have, they did have Krejci instead of Hall. Like they made that ad- adjustment and um, entries were better but small sample size. And now that we know DeBrusque obviously didn't get into the Toronto game, things will change back the way that those dynamics are after the, after the all-star break, when DeBrusque comes back, I don't think there's any reason to think he's going to be held out any, any longer. Like he should be back that first game, um, which I got to double check what <laughs> hate that is because it's so long away it's so far away i think it's the 11th i believe yeah against the capitals at home so as of right now no signs of setbacks and no reason to think he wouldn't be in that game oh no. and one of- Mon- montgomery said on tuesday he would be shocked if debrusque doesn't play in that game De- yeah. debrusque was on the ice for practice tuesday you know in a non-contact jersey he so he skated a little bit before practice and then was on practice for about half the practice until they got to special teams work. And then he left the ice. Um, Obviously, you know, since he's not playing yet, he wasn't going to be part of special teams drills. So when he, when he gets back, like I I would anticipate the Bruins going back to that top nine look of DeBrusque on the uh, right side of Bergeron and Marchand, keep the check line together, put Hall back with, with Coyle and Frederick. And then, um, and you know, obviously Montgomery shuffles the lines around during the games too, if they need to. But as like starting points, I would I would imagine that's their top nine. The fourth line will be makeshift, depending on you know no six still for a little bit. But um, and then yeah, to your to your point, Bridget, the power play should get back in the sink with DeBrusque, um there as well. So um, you know, obviously DeBrusque didn't play tonight. Neither neither did Austin Matthews. We we haven't mentioned that. Um, but whatever. I mean, it's we're not gonna take anything away from this this win by the Bruins. I mean, they were without a you know top line forward and um obviously not comparing to Bruss to Matthews, but um the Bruins took care of business, which is good. So they go into the all-star break, um 39 wins, seven losses, five overtime losses for 83 points. And um I guess guys that's a little bit better than treading water to start the year. So good for them. <laughs> to to uh, just every time I like look at the the standings and the the record and the points. I just think back to the, my, my friends and other people, other like writers in the off season that were like, Bruins aren't making the playoffs. I guarantee it. And <laughs> like, I almost took a bet with Ryan Garvin, who's another uh, producer at WEI. Cause he was dead set that the Bruins were not going to make the playoffs. I was like, bro, you are so wrong. <laughs> it's like 50 bucks on it. And then he kept being like, eh, you know, maybe not, but I would, I would definitely have, 50 bucks uh, at this point <laughs> would it be safe to say but before we switch gears I just wanted to say one more thing that we learned about the matchup with Toronto uh, without you know the, the Austin Matthews thing aside was what the goalie matchup might look like um so Sam Sonoff and Allmark going head-to-head against each other it was kind of an interesting you know goalie matchup what that would you're trying to imagine what it could look like in a six seven game series and Allmark came out looking like the better goalie well because he is he, he is a lot better than either goalie Toronto has um you know it's it's funny like we 
everyone mocked Toronto in the offseason when they decided to go with the Matt Murray, Ilya Samsonov tandem. Then for a while, it looked like they'd gotten it right. Like both of those guys were playing really well. And then I was looking at this up during the game tonight. Over the last month and a half, both of them have save percentages under 900. Like they have crashed back to earth. And but Samsonov's record at home was like decent and like not yeah. not exactly comparable to Olmark's record at home, but like those were both two goalies who could play at home very well. Yeah, he he has been really good at home, but in general, it's like if you're Toronto, you're if you're a Leafs fan, I get imagine like you're you're starting if you're not there already, you're starting to have the same old concerns of like goaltending is going to let them down. Um, I don't know how you can feel great about that tandem. I don't think they're in a position to go out and try to trade for a goalie. Like, I feel like they'd rather address other needs. So I guess that, you know, maybe maybe they surprise us and they do try to do something, but they're probably just rolling with those two. And uh, yeah, you you just hope you hope one or both of them get hot at the right time because other other than that, like. I don't think there's a whole lot of hope that they're going to suddenly both be great in the second half or anything. Like they're just, they're mediocre goalies. They might have hot stretches, but they're also going to have stretches like this where goaltending becomes a weakness for them. And if that happens in the playoffs, that's you're looking at another first round exit. Yeah. I also, and look, I, I know Jake Muzzin uh, is not an option for Toronto this year. He's had, um, you know, in, uh, incredibly bad luck injury wise. And, you know, it, it's, it's tough to criticize Toronto's personnel on defense when their number one defensive defenseman is not an option for them. Right. Um, I mean, if, if you do that to any NHL team, it's kind of like, it, it's tough to overcome that said, like I still don't, I know Toronto's team defense analytic, analytically, let's try that again. Um, has been really good this year. I think they're right up there with, with Boston as far as not like, actual numbers wise but they are i think number two or three in a league with team defense boston i think is just so, so much better than everybody in that in that regard but um i mean their their personnel on defense is not that uh, defensively it's not that impressive either um i mean morgan riley is not a great defenseman as far as actual playing defense and even offense morgan riley might actually be their weakest in terms of like actual defense obviously he brings yeah. a lot of offense but yeah and, and you know uh giordano is like an awesome you know, veteran, but you know, it, you know, um, yeah, they, they just, they don't really, and, and I, whatever, but, um, I guess to that, to, to your point, Bridge, about the goalie matchup, am I mistaken if, if Boston gets by the first round of the playoffs this year, which we all anticipate them doing no matter who they play, that's, that's the bar they've set there. They have to play the winner of Toronto, Tampa, right? There's no avoiding that second round matchup, right? It's one of the, it's one of the other. Is that correct? correct? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um. I. I think. I think we'd all prefer to play Toronto, right? Um. On this yeah. podcast. Well. Yep. For a lot of reasons. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. Um. Okay. So anyway. Um. If they do play Toronto in the second round, yes, goalie matchup Boston. Most every matchup should be Boston. Um. So Scott, I'm gonna throw it to you. Um. There was a last time we recorded about a few hours later. Um, the first shoe dropped in the uh, the trade market this year, heading into the deadline. If you want to discuss the Bohorvat trade, and um, you know the Bruins obviously weren't a part of that trade, and that there's been you know speculation about would they have been in on them, should they have been in on them. So I'll throw it to you if you want to discuss those details. If you have them in front of you, or Bridget, if you have them in front of you, I'll just keep talking until one of you guys has it. But <laughs> well, yeah. So can. Canucks traded Horvat to the Islanders for Anthony Beauvillier, uh, the Islanders' top prospect, Atu Ratu, and a first-round pick. What a pick. name, by the way. That's, a, that's one of the best names. Yeah, great name. Um, yeah, so, it, I mean, as far as the Bruins being in on it, I think the Bruins were in on it. Now, to what extent does that mean, um, you know, yeah, I think they talked to Vancouver about the possibility of trading for Bo Horvat. Do I think, you know, I don't know if they ever made an official offer. I don't think so. Um, I don't think they were going to match the Islanders' offer. Obviously, they didn't. You know, the equivalent of an offer, if you're the Bruins, there had been 
so Elliot Friedman had said in a couple places um, before the trade happened that uh, the Canucks were interested in Brandon Carlo. So it sounds like obviously they wanted a roster play as part of the deal. They got that in Beauvillier from the Islanders. Um, it sounds like Carlo would have been the roster player they were targeting from the Bruins. So if you're the Bruins, an equivalent package probably looks like Carlo, Fabian Lysel, and a first-round pick. Um, you know, now I think like some of the reporting since then, I think people have said like, oh, like did the Bruins is Carlo an untouchable for the Bruins? I don't know about that. I just don't think they were going to make that trade, and I understand why because if you make that trade, you're subtracting from your defense. And I think we all agree that like, if anything, they should add to defense um, and be looking for potential, whether it's just a depth addition or, or a potential upgrade to their top six. So now if you trade Carlo away, maybe you get Luke Shen back. But as I've said before, Carlo to Luke Shen is a downgrade. Like Luke Shen would be better off being your seventh or eighth defenseman. Um, so I understand the Bruins not doing that if that were the package. Uh, the other options, like if you're looking in that price range to make the money work, would have been Jake DeBrusque or Pavel Zaka. Definitely not doing DeBrusque, like the, not the season he's been having. And Zaka, we you just extended him, and we just talked about how good of a fit he's been on this team. Like there are all there's the considerations to messing with chemistry as well. Um, again, while I think chemistry can sometimes be overrated, like it can't be ignored when you're rolling the way that this team's rolling. So, you know, they, they don't want to take anything off the active roster unless it's for a clear upgrade. And if you're trading one of those guys along with your top prospect in a first round pick and Horvat might only be a rental, like that's, it's kind of a tough sell. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, more more than anything, if they got the sense that he wasn't someone who was willing to be extended, there's really no point in doing it. Like, if you can't extend him and have him be your option for your top-line center when Bergeron's gone, there's really absolutely no reason to do it. So if you weren't, like, 100% sure he's a, a guy that's not just a rental for you and that you can sign him for however long you want to sign him for, then it's a, it's a huge risk. And, you know, the reward is... Short term, you don't need him. It's more of a long term reward you would get from it, but only if you um, were able to pinpoint an agreement that you could already kind of have worked out before he comes here. But wouldn't be surprised if he wants to test free agency. And at that point in time, you're the Bruins, you're thinking, well, maybe we'll come back around to the idea of Bo Horvat when he becomes an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Yeah, and they also you still got to sign David Pasternak. Like you know, keep your priorities in order. I, I think. Look, I think when Horvat's name was first mentioned, it's 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 natural to kind of be like, oh yeah, well, I mean that would that would put them over the top, and you know it would solidify their 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 need to succeed Bergeron, right? But you know, this Boston Bruins team, they have more than enough high end talent up front, and they have the depth that you need, right? So, like, offensively, this Bruins team is as deep as there is in the league. Now, you can still add, like, middle six, bottom six depth at the deadline because you need because it's never a bad thing to have that. And, if you know, if you find the right player or two, that's great. Um, but defense wins championships. So, for my money, it's like, yes, like, don't, don't take Carlo away or, you know, because he's six foot five and, and he's a, he's a really, he's a really effective defenseman, NHL defenseman. Um, so, but if the Bruins are going to add like, yes, like a significant piece or a significant upgrade upgrade, I'd prefer them to do it on the blue line as opposed to up front if push comes to shove. But I think, I think the proper depth moves are, will be more than appropriate for this Bruins team. So, um, yeah, I'm glad the Bruins, you know, weren't in on this trade, uh, or, the finalists for this trade, I should say. So, yeah. Yeah. And I also like, you know, I don't want it to come across as like, I'm not valuing Bo Horvat or anything. I really like Bo Horvat and wrote a column not that long ago, how, you know, if the Bruins were 
going to dream big. Like he should be the guy to go after, but you know, you don't know exactly what it's going to cost until you see what he goes for. And ultimately he went for, if, if I were Don Sweeney more than I would be comfortable giving up, um, especially with no guarantee that you're extending him, uh, you know, but he's also, he's a really good player. Uh, but one who's also in a career season, obviously he's on pace for over 50 goals. I don't think he's ever topped. What, what did he have? I don't think he topped like 35 in the past. So having a career year that obviously jacks his price up, um, you know, yeah, I think he would have been a great fit. I think he's also a character guy. He's a team captain. Like he would have done just fine here. I'm not worried about that, but it would be a lot to give up for him. Um, and by the way, not totally out of the question that Bo Horvath gets traded again before the trade deadline. Um, because the Islanders basically now have a month to a try to get back into the playoff picture with Horvat, who fills a huge need for them as a goal scorer. Uh, but B to talk extension. I mean, if the Islanders don't turn it around and are out of the playoff picture, three, four weeks from now and aren't particularly close to getting an extension done, they could very well turn around and trade him again. So, you know, twist. yeah, Horvat trade rumors could pop back up. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing. It's probably not like what listeners want to hear from me here because, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a podcast they listen to for, for Bruins, uh, analysis but i gotta tell you i have no idea what happens with these trade deadlines i all the speculation the rumors it's um it's fun to talk about but but at the same time it can be exhausting because i you just you think one think back to last year remember remember the guys we were talking about last year the rooms were gonna get like you know it was like up until the last hours like well maybe they get max domi maybe they get this guy that guy and uh it's until something happens, it's like, hey, Max Domi's coming around again. He's he's back. He's back on the market. I know. So I, I, you know, I'm just I'm just gonna let let the deals happen, and then I'll react. The all the speculation, it just drives you drives you insane because you think one thing's gonna happen, and like who had who had the Islanders in on this? Did anybody think the Islanders were were a possibility? No one until very late. So like that same podcast I mentioned that Elliot Friedman had, like I think that got posted like less than twelve hours before the trade went down. on that same podcast, I think he mentioned like, you know, I kind of wonder about the Islanders here. They've been looking for an upgrade. Like Friedman's one of those guys where like, you know, if he's saying something like that, like he's actually heard it. So like that kind of like perked my ears up where I'm like, ah, the Islanders. And like, also the Islanders, Lou Lamorello has always been like this. Like everything is kept under wraps with them. Like, remember, um, was it, who are they trying to extend? They're trying to like extend someone recently and everyone's like, Oh yeah, the deal's already done. But then like three, four months went by and it was like, wait, is, is the deal still done? Like what's going on here? It, it might've been the Barzell extension. Like everyone was like, yeah, like it's done. And just waiting to announce it. And meanwhile, like you're hearing nothing. Cause whatever Lou Lamorello does, he just like gets everyone to shut their mouths and like not talk to people. <laughs> Yeah, and Beauvillier, Beauvillier is a lot to to give up to. Like Beauvillier is liked there and has had some really good seasons there. Yeah, he's definitely he's taken a step back this year. Like he's he's had a down year for sure. But and it like, doesn't that's mean that like, his potential isn't there. I think it's it's still there. Well, Vancouver will suck potential out of anybody right now. So <laughs> I don't know if that's gonna help help him. But like Lemarillo is like he he's he's made some moves in the last couple of years too. Like. Like he traded away like what like a first round or two for um for 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 Romanov Romanov like yeah. um you know Kyle Palmieri and and Zay Jackie gave away first rounders and so I mean you know the Islanders are like in a weird situation where they've they've gone for it but they've never really been even when they were in the conference finals a couple of years it was kind of based off like just defensive structure they're 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 in no man's land right now and that's a, that's a, that's a spooky place to be. Yeah, wow. and, they, and they don't really have the defensive structure anymore either because they moved on from Barry Trotz, and so they play like a little bit more wide open now. But it hasn't really led to m- more scoring, and they've um, they've really had to rely on their goaltending even more than than before. So, uh, 
yeah, they they better hope though that they turn it around or you know at least start winning some games or are in a better position going forward because that first round pick they gave up, I think it's top 14 protected for this upcoming draft, but then it's unprotected the next year. So like you could see a situation where like they miss the playoffs this year. They don't re-sign Horvat. They don't have to give up the pick because it's, you know, ends up being in the top 14. So they hold on to the pick for one year, but then are like taking a huge step back next season. And all of a sudden, you're potentially giving up like a top 10 pick to Vancouver like that. It, it's a risk. Like it, he definitely took a big swing and took a big risk on this trade. And, uh, you know, they better, better hope it works out. Cause it could set them back quite a bit if it doesn't. Basically with the hope that you do it early enough and don't wait to the deadline that you're, you're like setting yourself up. You're not too far behind. It's, it's definitely a, a bold move. Uh, I don't, I don't hate it for them. I, I think that once again, I feel like all the all the potential trades that could have happened for Horvat had high risk involved um, for the teams that were taking them on. So it was definitely a high risk move for them. But I, I actually think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it's it's definitely a bold strategy, Cotton. I just think like you know the Islanders are just they've for so long the, the biggest knock on them is um you know they don't have any they don't have any true goal scorers and it's like well while that's true I, they better hope that they extend this kid because if they don't it's like you just look at the standings and you know they played more games than buffalo and pittsburgh and they're behind both those teams in the wild card race so like I don't know. It's just, it's yeah. To, to what, to what you guys said, like they better, they better make the playoffs. Cause if they in hope that he extends, cause if he doesn't and they miss, Oh boy, that's, that's, that's tough. That's tough. So anywho, um, at least they got a new arena, right? Um, anything else you want, you guys want to go over? I think we're kind of uh, at that point now. And by the way, they're not, their hope to make the playoffs is the wild card. Like they're not, this doesn't make them a team. That's like, top three in in their division like it's this move makes them wild a wild card team so and then at that point you're really hoping with the eighth spot we're gonna be able to somehow fight our way out of this um you know this conference and then to the stanley cup i mean they they've done it though so like if any team can if any team can look at that you know they went to back to back eastern conference finals i think one year they were the eight one year they were like the seven so you know, yeah. it's 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 in their history, but as I said earlier, like this team does feel different because that team did it with that defense we talked about, and this team, this Islanders team, hasn't had it. I also think those teams that you're talking about, Scott, they kind of like, I don't know. I think they took advantage of a weird, weird stretch for the NHL. I mean, like, I don't know that. that it, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the series the, against the Bruins was weird to watch. Well, they, well, they were both they were both bubble they were both bubble playoffs that, that that they that they went to the conference finals and the second one was not, but it was a bubble season, and then they let fans in like right at the playoffs. So, I don't know. I just think, I think I think if, if they sweep into a wild card, pick who you want to lose to in four or five games, Boston or Carolina, because it's not going to last very long. So, I don't know. It's like I said. For the Islanders, they better hope they extend Horvat because if they don't, then it's just a stupid move. I don't think they're going anywhere in the playoffs, with, even with Horvat. So, I don't know, guys. Um, final thoughts? Anything? All-star game. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Scott wants to talk about that. I mean, there's not really much to say. I mean, no, there's um, not. There's no. not. I literally just wanted to say All Star Game because, yeah. other than that, I mean, we might have a guest for one of our episodes. Maybe try to get Raycroft on for one of our, you know, episodes that we have in between um, during the All Star break. We're gonna still try to put out some episodes, um, regardless of the fact that there's no games going on because there's other stuff to talk about, and we can bullshit for a long time, as you can see. So, I mean, I'll. I'll... A PSA I think worth mentioning is during this during this um, stretch of of days where there's no NHL hockey, be careful about what you tweet because one Mister Bradley Marshand, he likes to get in. He likes, he likes yeah. to roll around in the mud sometimes. He's had a, he's had a field day on Twitter the last few days, so he'll be looking for something to do. I think. I so know. Now he's got he's got all this free time. He's just gonna be <laughs> sitting around scrolling Twitter. 
Yeah, the NHL could use about fifty more of him because he's uh he's 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 a gem. So, all right, guys. Well, I am all set. If you guys are all set, we can wrap this one up. Um, thank you all for listening. I guess we can call this the um, de facto like midway point of the season. I know it's they played more than half their games, but it's the All Star break, so um, a chance here to kind of uh, get some R and R for everybody and. Thanks for listening. As Bridget said, we'll 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 touch base again before the I mean the Bruins are off for like two weeks, so um, you know we'll talk before then. But thank you all for listening and enjoy the rest of your uh, your day.